Take care. Take it easy, Wags. Later, man. Uh, Wags is kind of like the dude in the Big Lebowski sometimes. Look at Wags. Take take her easy for all the sinners out there. Um, I like I like Sal. Uh, Mike White is better than Zach Morris Wilson. Sal, I, I I would rather have Mark Paul Gossler playing quarterback for my NFL franchise at this point than Zach. Wilson. You got that right. You got that. Even right. though even though what Saved by the Bell wasn't Slater a quarterback? Yeah, AC Slater. Yeah, Mario yeah. Lopez was the quarterback. I might I might take Mario Lopez right now over Zach Wilson as my quarterback. Yeah, exactly. But you right. know, Rodney and CB, uh, Jake Bruce, I see all you guys in the chat. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, DJ has got this question: the quarter, quarterback position for the draft almost reminds me of the '83 draft. Marino, Elway, Jim Kelly was in that draft, but you also had Tony Eason, yeah, top top Blackledge, yeah, you had Ken, O'Bri- Ken O'Brien, who was Ken O'Brien, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's been a couple drafts like that. Rodney, you know, the one draft I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, the '99 draft, because that was Ricky Williams was in that draft, mm-hmm. and that was one that I watched real intently because I wanted to know where where Ricky was going to end up. You know, that was going to be one of those kind of generational drafts and donovan mcnab took a team to a super bowl uh dante culpepper for a couple years yeah, man before he tore up his knee and was never the same dante culpepper had some years where he was chucking deep balls to randy moss and chris yeah. carter and putting up insane video game numbers then yeah like Cade mcnown tim couch achilles smith like mm-hmm. not all these guys are going to succeed you know so it's it's yeah. it's interesting to figure out in that position you know, I talk about this from a recruiting standpoint, Ryan. Like we, I think in recruiting we tend to overvalue quarterbacks just yeah. because of their importance. It's no different than the NFL. I think those guys are overvalued come draft day. That's why. That's how Zach Wilson makes a jump up to. If Zach Wilson, double R was picked back in the first round, early second round, I don't think anybody would. I don't. I don't think anybody would have a problem with Zach Wilson's maturation process. Yeah, but you take a guy second overall that probably should have been picked twenty some odd picks later. The pressure mounts, and now he's yeah. got the pressure of a number two overall pick. Christian Ponder—that's how Christian Ponder ends up getting elevated to the first round of the draft. It ha- every year we see it with one of these quarterbacks that you know everybody's like, "Oh, he's a second round guy. He's a you know a, a good solid, you know maybe a late late first rounder," and he ends up going top five, top ten because people are, are so desperate. To yeah. find that next guy that they'll they'll do stupid stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a great point, Jeff, because you, you know so, so often you see where it's like, oh man, you know, so and so got whoever in the third or fourth round or whatever. Dak Prescott, great example, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, fell to the fourth round and, and has come in and has become the franchise quarterback and all that. And it goes back to exactly what you're talking about right there with Zach Wilson. I mean, it's not all of that pressure that that, that you come in when you're in that spot. And that's why a, a lot of times I am fascinated with that when it's like, oh, low round draft pick. Well, yeah, I mean, but just as good. But for whatever reason, did wasn't the first, second or third you know, pick of the draft. And, and yeah. we see it all the time. And the, ga- the game has changed, too, because now – uh, we were having this conversation, Rodney. I know you've been on uh, that flagship message board. We've got over Holmes twenty four seven. The conversation came up with with uh, with it, it's the NFL draft stuff's come up with Jonathan Brooks, but it came up with Quinn. Uh, and you know, hey, would he be, you know, would he be better off taking money right now, or does he come back next year and maybe you solidify yourself in the first round? It's not going to be maybe as deep of a quarterback draft next year as it is this coming draft. Um, and people say, you know, well, you know, somebody can take him as a project and play the waiting game. I said, Few, fewer teams are playing the waiting game with guys yeah. because 
the the ideal scenario now, and this is why I feel like the Cowboys missed out on a nice little window. Not that they still haven't had success or still can't get there, but you miss out on a nice little window. When you find a guy that you feel is capable of getting you to a Super Bowl and you've got him on a rookie contract, that is the best way to build a championship roster because you're not devoting 40% of your salary cap to one position. You know, yep. so you you want to find that rookie quarterback. You you're not you're a little more. You know, Patrick Mahomes is so different because he had Alex Smith in front of him. Alex Smith was the starter until Andy Reid just decided. You know what? I think the kid's ready. Year two, let's let's roll with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that adds to the pressure for a guy like Zach Wilson. They got to figure out pretty quick. And we need to we need to get a return on investment. We need to figure out if this is a guy we can build around because if not, we need to redo this again. So that that just adds the pressure. For those quarterbacks, man, it, you can't. There aren't going to be quarterbacks riding until unless there's a. And I, I, I have trouble seeing it unless there's a drastic change down the road to where the rookie wage scale fluctuates a little bit more, or it, I don't think you'll ever see what it was where it's completely waived. But like, no quarterback will ever be able to have the the same kind of trajectory that Troy Aikman did, yeah. where you're the number one overall pick. You basically come into it. I mean, the 89 Cowboys, for all intents and purposes, were an expansion franchise. They were yeah. an expansion franchise for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Eggman was 0 and 11. As a, people forget, like the Cowboys went 1 and 15. Steve Walsh quarterbacked that one yeah. win. He did. So, yeah. You know, Aikman, yeah. Aikman yeah. was 0 and 11. He got yeah. the crap kicked out of him. But at some point, as he grew with this young team, he ended up being exactly what you want a number one draft pick to be, what you hope he is. He he leads you to three Super Bowls, wins, wins a Super Bowl MVP, ends up in the Hall of Fame. But the path Troy Aikman took to getting there, I have a very hard time seeing any other quarterbacks. Because Rodney, you know as well as I do, if, if you're a quarterback and you have a 1-11, an 0-11 record as a rookie, and yeah. you don't start out so with the Cowboys start in 90, were they 3-6? and six, yeah. I think the yeah. first nine games of that season. They were horrible. They were horrible. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be they'll be ready to draft your replacement in the following draft. They will, they will. And and the year that the Cowboys did what, what was it ninety one? I guess when the Cowboys broke through, it was Steve Berline that that led. Yeah, because uh, Aikman, Aikman uh, what was it? Uh, was a shoulder, shoulder, shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And they got beat by Detroit. You know, in the what divisional round because they did yeah. win. I think they won the wild card round. But you know, it, it really is. They that's a great. The, point. They beat the Bears. The Bears at Soldier yeah. Field. That was the last of those. Those Mike Ditka Bears teams, that was the last That's right. kind of good one that That's he right. had. Yeah, but but definitely gone are the days right there where you talk about Mahomes to where it's like you can say Steve McNair, you know, when, when the Oilers slash Tennessee, you, you know, they get him. And, and man, that, that dude sat for a good while before it yeah. was time for him to actually get in there. And But yeah, it really is. Those days are gone. And and it is, you know, with these dudes, it's like they come in and if it's not not the immediate success, they are looking for your replacement. And with a yeah. draft like this, and again, I love what you said right there, Jeff, because we don't know how many of these guys are going to pan out. I mean, yeah. there's going to be a dude in the third round that that in, in three years we're going to be like, holy shit, never even thought about that dude that's outperforming yeah. some of these guys that will go in round one. It, I'll, I'll give you an example, right? And, and it remains to be seen. And the Cowboys are going to see him uh, in about 48 hours. If Zach Wilson was taken in the same place that like Sam Howell was, yep. yep. And you know, think about how Washington's been with Sam Howell. They didn't throw him in there immediately. They're like, you know what? We'll take our time with him. I mean, we're not in a hurry. And you know, lo and behold, he gets to year what is Sam Howell in year three or year yep. two? And it's like, hey, 
we might have something here. I don't, I don't know what, but we might have something with this guy. And you didn't spend, you know, you didn't spend a ton of draft capital on him. Uh, you know, you've got him under contract, you got him locked up and, and you're not thinking, Oh man, we got to hurry up and get this guy signed to an extension. It's been a nice, easy trajectory for Sam Howell to get to where he is. So again, it, it's just, it's all, you know, where was Sam Howell taking running third, fourth round? I, th- uh, I thought it was a fourth round. I, that's, I mean, a di- that's the difference between taking a guy in the middle rounds and taking a guy number two overall. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And, and that's, that's the different path right there. And it really is. I mean, just so much of it is the pressure that you're going to have coming into this thing. And, and think about that, you know, with Zach Wilson, I mean, it all depends where you land. I mean, these guys that, that go first, second, third, fourth, you know, picks in the draft, man, you're, you're going to a shit show most likely. So yeah. like you talked about Aikman, you're, you're going to get the hell beat out of you. And uh, it's really hard to succeed starting out. If, I guess, unless you're the dude in Houston, but um, you know, that, that, that's, that's an anomaly, right? That, that, that's a whole different yeah. isolated situation. Right that now. was, that was my biggest concern, honestly, about Kyler Murray coming out. It wasn't the size. It wasn't the athleticism. Cause I'm like, look, Every field Kyler Murray's been on at every level, he's been the best guy out there. Yep. Um, and we're seeing like most Sundays, he's maybe the quickest guy out there, and he's got the ball in his hands every play, and he make th- makes things happen. My concern was going number one overall, is he emotionally ready? Because at that point, you think about it, right? He had he he was undefeated as a starter in high school, won three state championships, yeah. uh, got Oklahoma to the playoff. He he other than the one year, the one tough year at AM. Kyler Murray had never lost. He's never lost like he's about to lose. Mm-hmm. And they got as as Jack Elway said about John when they were going through. By the way, Elway to Marino, the thirty for thirty, another really that is good a one. great one. As as, is Jack, great. as Jack Elway said about the Baltimore court, Colts, they earned the right to pick first. Yeah. Uh, so so you knew you were going to a bad spot. I didn't know if Kyler was emotionally ready to handle that. I think when you look at you know the decision Quinn Ewers and his people are going to have to sit down and make. It's not just the physical aspect of it. It's are you and I think Quinn kind of being life in a fishbowl at Texas does prepare you for that to an extent. But, man, are you really ready? Do you understand that term face of the franchise? Yes. Are you you ready to live that? Because that's one of those abstract ideas like you may think you're ready, but not everybody is. Not everybody can handle that. It really is. But then, you know, another example is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, here he goes. Another one he hadn't lost. You go into just a horrible situation right there, and he was. I mean, it, it looks like, uh, I mean, we heard it. I mean, okay, maybe a bust, maybe not quite a bust, but not what we expected. Boom, change the situation, change the pieces around him, put people that are going to guide him better, and, and now look at him. So yeah. Lou, Lou, Lou Holtz Lou Holtz, and Bobby Petrino thank Urban Meyer because now neither one of those guys has to go down as the worst experimental college NFL coach ever. Absolutely. Like Urban Urban couldn't Urban's couldn't have gone worse. You know, like when he thought he uh he tried to pump the what was it Josh Lambo yeah. former Aggie kicker and he's like dude I don't know who the hell you think you're talking to but you're I'm a grown man you ain't talking to me like that. Yeah. Uh yeah that was they basically you know the Jaguars they basically wasted uh Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. They did. You, know, you wasted they did. Uh, but you know, they, they were, they were patient with them, man. And it's all about your general manager and your ownership, you know, being patient, you know, that's not, I don't want to get too far off on this tangent, but man, if I'm a Jaguars fan, I, I feel bad for Jacksonville Jaguars fans because man, you, you've got, you've got an owner in, in Shad Khan who's, who's got money is very much willing to spend it. Uh, just, you can tell like he, he wants to put a good product on the field. 
Uh, he's not one of these stingy owners. Like he really wants to put a good product on the field. And that poor dude just needed somebody to help him direct the funds to the proper places. Yeah. You know, he yeah. needed a, he's needed a good GM and uh, he's needed a good head coach. So maybe, maybe they've got, uh, maybe Jacksonville's got it figured out, but Rodney, let's, let's talk a little, a uh, little Texas and, uh, yep. and actually I want to get your take on this real quick. I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know if you and Wags talked about this, but you hear this Bernard Williams story that came out last week, Bernard Williams. The, the, okay. The former, uh, former Philadelphia Eagles offensive tackle, First round pick out of Georgia in 1994. Big 6'8, 320-pound offensive tackle. Uh started, you know, for I think 14, 15 games as a rookie. Then he ends up getting suspended for weed violations, ends up on the suspended list, suspended indefinitely. And the Eagles put him on there. He played Bernard Williams played his last NFL game in, you know, on Christmas Eve, 1994. And since then. Bernard Williams apparently remained on the on the inactive list, on the suspended list, hmm. until two weeks ago, <laughs> when apparently somebody was going through some old files, and they're like, "Hey, um, we never took him off the suspended list." <laughs> so Bernard Williams, almost thirty years on the twenty nine years on the suspended list, was finally waived by the Eagles. I'm like, dude, we found we found the NFL's version. Of Milton from Office Space. Oh my God! Like, it turns out he was laid yeah. off, and nobody ever told him. <laughs> and he never said oh, anything. I oh mean, great! So oh, great! So you, so you, Bernardo. No, listen there, Professor. We fixed the glitch. Oh we my just, goodness! <laughs> I, I had not heard that, dude. That, that is unbelievable. Dude, that's wild, man. That's wild. Oh, man, and my that's buddy, crazy. my buddy was telling me. I told, I told one of my buddy, my buddy Chris Dukes, who works, uh, he's in an uh, editorial role at CBS Sports. Uh, we're, we're talking and. Uh, Chris was telling me because he's a big Steelers fan. He said, "You know, the Steelers did something like that with Terry Bradshaw. Like they, it was something to retain his rights. And yeah. it wasn't until like 1992 that the Steelers finally relinquished Terry Bradshaw's rights." I'm like, "Dude, y'all, y'all couldn't have done that a few years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He wasn't coming out of the booth at that point. No, to, boy, that, that's a lot of extra Steelers. years. You know, speaking of Terry Bradshaw, I was watching him the other day. But th- th- that guy, he he loves laughing at his own jokes. I'll tell you I that. Don't know. That most- dude." The most like just painful thing to sit through is why Fox still lets him do like their halftime updates and run it down. Oh, and like Kurt Menefee oh. has to sit there and babysit him. I don't know why they let him do that. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about the Bernardo Williams thing. And before we get to Texas, but kind of the last 20 ish minutes of the show will be all Texas football. But Rodney, I've talked about it. I'll let you guys know about it in the our Texas Sports Unfiltered group chat. Anytime somebody brings up the Cowboys. And brings up Jerry Jones. Yep. I got to find a gift gif of Jimmy Johnson and say, hey, yep. until he makes this right, at some point he's going to make this right. Yep. And it must be, it must have got cold in hell on Sunday because that thing must have frozen over when it, when Jerry, even though he got the year wrong, Jerry couldn't even do that right. Oh, 1923. Yeah. That's, uh, wow. Yeah. Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Johnson taking his rightful place in the Ring of Honor oh. on December 30th. And, and I had a feeling, Jeff, that something was going on. For some reason that morning, I, I was checking. I was checking Twitter. I was checking different uh, spots, and, and there were uh, there were a lot of pictures of them together, uh, Jimmy and Jerry yeah. together. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, so what, what's going on here? Um, I think I even posted. Maybe they're doing something on Thanksgiving. Maybe that's what's going to happen here. I knew. I know. I know you can't cancel Dolly Parton for crying out loud for for that. <laughs> but um, I got to tell you, dude, as a Cowboy fan, that that was um, that that. Luckily, we were cooking beef stew that morning, 
with onions because mm. it was that was kind of one of those things that kind of kind of choked you up a little bit. And, and it's yeah. like, dude, what what took so long for that? And, so, and it was heartfelt. It seemed very yeah. heartfelt from Jerry. So I'm I'm 40 years old, right? <clears throat> so I, I was a young cat when the Tom Landry era ended. So I have very little to no recollection of Tom Landry coaching the Cowboys. So I'm one of those generations of Dallas Cowboys fans. Jimmy Johnson's my coach. Yeah. And to and I it, it's it, it's weird the attachment I feel to that dynasty, Rodney, because you know, we, we couldn't afford to take a ton of family vacations when I was a kid. So one thing that we would do, we would do it several days. My dad would load me and my brothers up, load us up in the truck. We'd go down to St. Ed's and go watch the Cowboys practice. Because yeah. to me, it, it, for, for me, that was better than going to Disney World. Like, do you mean yeah. I get to watch? I get to watch Evan Smith and Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin do their thing? Yeah, I'll do that. Um, and I don't have it with me. It's actually at, at, uh, at PSA right now getting encapsulated. Um, but I got a Jimmy Johnson autograph card during training camp that I still have. It's still one of my favorite things in the world. And, you know, now being able to go back and read books and, and, and watch clips and understand like Jimmy Johnson, what he did, the cerebral approach and how he, how he dealt with players, how he managed players, how he pushed the right buttons. Um, very, very few coaches, Rodney could have assembled that team with those kind of egos and handled it and been as successful as Jimmy was with it. Very few guys could have done it. Um, was ahead of his time in scouting, was ahead of his time in how he studied and valued the draft. Um, I know I know everybody talks about the Herschel Walker trade, but it's like I, I heard him say, I think it was on the 30 for 30 short that they did about the trade. So the key isn't getting the picks. It's picking the right players with those picks. And it was at a time where the NFL didn't really value the draft anywhere near like what they do now. I think he said they, the picks they got from Minnesota, they never picked a player in that assigned spot. They either packaged and traded up, they either traded back and picked up more picks, whatever it was, they wheeled and dealed. And, um, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't always right, but it worked out. You know, the 1990 draft, he wanted, uh, there were two guys he wanted. He wanted, uh, you know, Lamar Lathan was a linebacker at the University of Houston, yep. and James Francis out of Baylor. Jimmy really wanted a linebacker. And the Bengals jumped up and, and got James Francis. So Jimmy traded back. Who was the next best player on their board? It was Emmett Smith. Yeah, how about that? You know, so so, so sometimes, sometimes it works out for you. But, man, I just everything. Yeah, as uh, as DJ points out, the trade chart, the, the, the draft yeah. value chart was created. Uh, as I heard Larry Lace will tell the story. Jerry had a friend, I think his name was Mike McCoy, he was a friend in the oil business. And basically he was able to put, for, for Jimmy and Jerry, he was able to put a quantitative value on draft picks. So that way Jimmy could get on the phone and say, okay, you want uh, you want our third round pick? Well, you give us a four and then maybe you throw in a six and it evens up on the on the, on the the value chart working out. So it's just ahead of his time in so many things. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm happy. So Tom Landry got the fedora. Uh, yep. When he went into the Ring of Honor, do, do we get like just a silhouette of Jimmy's hair? Yeah, is that what happens? Like a like a like a bronzed wig, or I mean, what what are they going to put up there? I it's, mean, it's <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to think like you look at Jimmy. Uh, you look at Jimmy's hair like back when he was coaching, like in Miami back in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, man, it's a little. It's the hairline's a little further back. It's a little grayer, but that dude's hair has not changed in like Same thing, forty man. years. It's the same thing. And 
and, and you know the, the the thing with the thing with Jimmy Johnson. I mean, I mean, so so many of the, the stories like you're talking about right there, whether it be books or, or documentaries about that whole era of Dallas Cowboy football. You know, with Jerry Jones, you know, taking over a team that was like, uh, I mean, in just financial ruin. To be honest with you, and mm-hmm. and the manner that Jerry took it over. You know, I know a lot of folks. You know, fault him for the firing of Tom Landry. That was a provision of the sale. I mean, that, that's yeah. kind of something that had to work right there. But, you know, when you talk about Jimmy, you know, as the head coach, I mean, he, he, I love the stories about leaving Troy Aikman's ass behind, um, you know, on a team flight, uh, you know, cutting. Who, who was the running back? Uh, Cur- Curvin Sw- Richards. Uh, Swerving Curvin Richards. Swerving Curvin Richards. Uh, you know, cutting that dude. I mean, that that football coach right there, I mean, it, you, like you said, it, it really was a uh, something that was unheard of at the time. And I hate uh, to say this. I hate to say this. And don't hate me, Jeff. But when I look right now at what the 49ers have done with Shano and uh, with John Lynch, that's kind of the modern day what, what Jerry and Jimmy and all of that group did back then because there have been some misses. There have been some swings and misses. But damn it. I mean, they may not have those, those Super Bowl championships, but, man, they've built that thing the right way. And I think Detroit's headed in that same direction as well. Yeah, DJ, DJ mentions uh, maybe two of my favorite Jimmy stories. One is when they were doing a conditioning drill and uh, a kicker was struggling and told Jimmy he had asthma. And Jimmy said, asthma, my ass, why don't you go over to the asthma field and have some asthma? And that, <laughs> needless to say, that dude never played for the Cowboys. And then John Roper fell asleep in a special teams meeting and got cut. And Jimmy famous, famously, his response was somebody asked him, well, what if, what if Troy Aikman would have fallen asleep? He's like, simple. I'd have gone over to the back, leaned over and said, Troy, wake up. Yeah. And going yeah. back to my seat. Yeah. Exactly. He, had the, he had the scale, right? You know, you know what Jimmy's scale was? If you're if you do what you're told, if you're dependable and you're a good player, you're at the top of the scale. If you don't do what you're told and you're not dependable and you don't make plays, then you're at the bottom of the scale. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, I'm gonna be consistent and then I'm gonna treat each and every one of you different. Uh, uh, Jeff, how much of how much of this do you think? You know, obviously the breakup right there, you know, with Jerry and Jimmy. I mean, he well documented. It's one of the first times I legit like sports cried like I was. Yeah. I remember that shit on Nightline. I remember watching ABC News Nightline. And that's like the whole thing. You know, Jimmy Johnson, no longer the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I I remember coming home. I was in the fourth grade. And I remember coming home and my mom's sitting. It's like almost like you can tell me like your grandma died. Like see me down, it's like yeah, Elvis. I, I, I need you to understand what's going on. I'm like what? And I it you almost would have rather a relative died or something yeah. than what she told me that Jimmy Johnson wasn't going to be the coach of the Cowboys anymore. How much of it do you think, Jeff? Was was because obviously, like like I was kind of uh, the, the breakup right there. I mean, you had every everything that happened right there, but the, but the fact that that it has taken so long because it it, it has seemed like to me in in the few recent years recently um that doesn't make any sense but it seems like jerry and jimmy have been you know i don't know if they're going out playing golf together or hitting the clubs like they used to do but it seems like that that's been kind of hammered out and and hashed out a little bit you know there's been moments with them on tv and so forth what what do you think the delay has been right here because because i think that they fixed this a while back yeah um i think it's funny you know i i think the first time i saw it was in the jeff perlman book uh, which, by the way, is an awesome book about the 90s Cowboys. And it was Jerry was talking to the first conversation he had with Barry Switzer about coming to be the coach in 94. And after Jerry does his spiel, he said the first thing Barry Switzer says is, how did you two manage to F this up? 
because <laughs> Barry, Nona Barry was uh, yeah. their freshman coach at Arkansas. He's like, how did yeah. you two manage to F this up? Um, I think there's still a – and it's, it's all goes back to egos, right? You don't get to where either of those guys was in their professions without having a massive ego. I, I think for Jerry, it's still the need to prove that – he is a football guy. He does have football acumen and can build yeah. a winner. And it, but as long as Jimmy, the the aura of Jimmy is still hanging around, I think right or wrong, he feels like that's just going to be the monkey that's always on his back. And I think for Jimmy, honestly, to you know whether it's watching the football life documentary or reading excerpts from his book or interviews with people that know him really well, I don't think he's demanded it that he needs to be in the Ring of Honor. Like if it happens, great. But you know, I, I think he's. I think Jimmy's at a point in his life where. Um, you know, football is, is what he did and he was great at it, but yeah. you know, he's, he would be perfectly, I mean, he loves what he's doing with Fox, but it sounds like he is perfectly content. If you just told him he would live like the Jimmy Buffett, Mike Leach life every day, yeah. if he could just, just want to hang out in Key West and get on my boat and have a Heineken every now and then and hang yeah. out with the wife and the family. And I think, he, so it's not that he, he hasn't been at the forefront of, of needing it, needing that validation. So, yeah. um, I think that's part of it that Jimmy hasn't really pushed, but I think at, at the end of the day, um, I, I think a lot of it too, think about this, Rodney, this spring coming up, it'll be 30 years since mm-hmm. Jimmy was fired. And I think just maybe Jerry realized that he's getting down to the end of it here. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably got a lot to do with it too of, you know what, let's just, they buried the hatchet, like you said long ago. Let's just let's just go ahead and do this because yep, it's, it's, yep. it makes sense. It's the right thing to do. And you know, I do have to say again. I, I mean, there, but no, no, no. It's totally good. I mean, I love that. I mean, it, it was a very emotional moment. I mean, just for the for for everything to kind of book in the way it did right there. I mean, like we're saying, yeah, they fixed it, but but there was there was the closure for everybody to see, in my opinion, because that that was a very heartfelt moment because you could see it in both of them. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I knew something was up cuz cuz I, I know I know Jerry's getting up there in age, but when that whole interview started, if you go back and you watch it, you see Jerry and he is I mean, he's shaking like it's 20 degrees out there and he yeah. he may have the shakes for all I know, but and then you, you saw it as this was going on. You saw Jimmy. There was so much emotion in that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my first thought, Jeff, is all this happens, and I'm like, guys, don't go lose to Carolina after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, Rodney. The Panthers are garbage. It's, uh, you were you were good there. But, you know, I, I think it's kind of like uh, I've, I've never been divorced. I hope I never have. I hope I never go through that. Um, I, my parents weren't divorced, so I don't have firsthand experience with it. But. I would imagine it's kind of like the divorced couple watching their mm-hmm. kid graduate from college yeah, and that bringing you together. And it's like, you know what? You, you did love each other at one point. There was something that brought you together. And in their case, it's, it's those banners hanging up in AT&T. It's like, you know what? Um, didn't end the way we wanted it to. And in the years since it hadn't always been pretty, but you know what? We, we did do something pretty damn special. You know, and I got to tell you, because right. I have been through everything that you just talked about right yeah. there. And and it is kind of one of those things to where, like, that, that's a great correlation right there because it's that moment to where. And then the other part of it is, you know, 
maybe for whatever reason that part of our life didn't work out, but damn, we can coexist pretty good. And yeah. that um that that's what's really happened right there. And I'm just glad it's happened. It's about damn maybe the curse will be broken. I see people saying, <laughs> Well, time to go to the Super Bowl. Well, uh, somebody better tell Philadelphia that. Um yeah. because those dudes seem really, really good after that win last night in Kansas City. Oh, I hate I, oh, I hate Philly. Okay. And a lot of that goes back a lot of that goes back to the Jimmy years for me. Um I vaguely remember Bounty Bowl and, you know, Jimmy getting snowballs chucked at him. Urban. That. And yeah, Michael Urban. One of the one of my first big proud Cowboys moments as a fan was that 1990 game. I can still remember Kelvin Martin parting to see a return of punt for a touchdown when they clinched the playoff spot. They beat they beat finally beat Philly at the vet on that green painted concrete. Yeah, man. And it felt like, man, they got the they got the monkey off their back. Like that's so great that they beat the Eagles. Yeah. Um, kind of like what you felt like as a Texas fan in 05 when Texas finally ended that Oklahoma winning streak. Like finally, you can yeah. just stop talking about it. You finally went and did it. So let's talk a little Texas, Rodney, in the time mm-hmm. we've got left. Uh yep. Longhorns, Red Raiders coming up on Friday, 630. I like that it's a night game. So sure. Get to get to lay around the house a little bit, maybe get some leftovers, fall into a turkey coma before I go to DKR again. I'm not expecting Rodney anything to change with the CFP rankings tonight. I don't think Alabama wouldn't have done enough beating Chattanooga's brains in in the pay game, and uh, Texas didn't do enough to to leap Oregon. So I'm expecting Texas to be at seven. But I'll tell you what, I I like where the mindset of this team is, understanding that, look, don't put it in anybody else's hands. We want to take care of business, win this thing, and get in. My concern is, and I, I wrote about this at Horns 24-7 yesterday, uh, you go there, you don't even need a subscription. We're running our, our Black Friday special. It's our best special of the year, 75% off an annual sub. So that's our best our best promotion of the year. You won't get you won't get this kind of discount until a year from now. So take yep. advantage if you're not a member. But you don't even need a subscription to read this. And I, I was running down the injuries, and Sark saying, you know, yesterday he felt as good as he could on a Monday, which usually tells you he's probably feeling pretty good. The fact that you're playing a Texas Tech team that, you know, the numbers don't really bear it out, but they're winning games in a very un-Tech-like way. Yeah. Do you realize, Rodney, Tech is ranked 10th, not in the country, in the conference in pass yards per game? Mm-hmm. They don't have a quarter. They don't have a quarterback that's statistically qualified to be among the Big Twelve passing leaders right that's, now. That's unbelievable. I mean, that yes, yeah, very not. And, and right they, they, I mean, they went. They went to Lawrence and beat Kansas 16-13. They just beat UCF 24-23. Right yeah, so it's fine. They're winning games in a very untech like way. And again, the numbers don't bear that out because when you look at run defense, you look at rushing yards, they're kind of middle of the pack to maybe just above middle of the pack, middle of the pack in the conference. But from a matchup standpoint, that should be a matchup that favors Texas, right? Because nobody has been able to line up and just run the football right at Texas. And I don't know that Tech has the passing game to supplement that. At the same time, I do worry about the Texas injuries adding up. I worry about it adding up because it's the end of the year. And I got this question on the message board. Uh, I think it was Sunday or maybe it was yesterday when I was running down the injuries, but somebody posted there. I and mean, it seems like Texas is dealing with more injuries than anybody in the country. No, they're not. It's just the injuries happen for different teams at different points in the year. It just so happens that a lot of the ones Texas is dealing with seem to be piling up towards the middle and the end of the season. But it's not an abnormal amount of injuries, but it, and it is injuries to key players. It's the lingering stuff. It's that ankle with JT Sanders. 
you know, it, it's Xavier Worthy leaving the game. It's, uh, you know, DJ Campbell going down. But I do worry about the fact that this team has been through a grind, that you're coming down to the end of the regular season, and you, you've got these injuries fought up, and you're getting ready to play a Tech team. Why I said all that, you're getting ready to play a Texas Tech team that may be one of the more physical. I'm not saying it, it makes them better or whatever, but maybe the most, the more one of the more physical Texas Tech teams that Texas has seen on the schedule in a while. And I think a lot of that goes back to to Joey McGuire, kind of the brand of football yep. that they want to play. Um, I think it's good. It's you know Zach Kitley has had to adapt on the fly and, and run the football more. Zach Kitley is he's a Cliff Kingsbury disciple. Zach Kitley's about as true an air raid guy as you can get, but. Uh, Rodney, you saw Taj Brooks in high yeah, school. Right? Was I, I was, yeah, I was talking. I was talking to Wags on our show about that. I saw yeah. a lot of Taj Brooks, and and that really is the thing that, that that I told him. I suspect that the game plan here for Tech is going to be they're going to come out and they're going to just shove Taj Brooks down the Texas defense throat and say, "You stop him, you stop him." And we've well, been really good at stopping the run this year, so that's a yeah. bold, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's one of those deals. I, I think if you're Texas, the quicker you can make this uh, oh, as close to a one-dimensional game for Tech as possible, yeah, the better off you're going to have a chance to win. I just It's hard for me to see Tech scoring enough points. It's just can Quinn Ewers and that offense take care of the ball, get some quick scores, put them in a hole. And if you've got Tech working, you know, pushing that boulder up the hill, so to yeah. say, pretty early, I, I think you're going to be fine. But it's – it, it, it it's it's the cumulative effect of those injuries adding up. And what I like for Texas, though, Rodney, is it, it worries you this week, especially because it's a short week getting healthy. Mm -hmm. But if you win, you get in that Big 12 championship game, you get that extra day of rest. You get that right. extra day of rehab on Saturday. Because if you're playing Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State plays BYU on Saturday. Now, this isn't typically say, oh, man, BYU, they should be pretty beat up coming in that game. Well, as we saw, this isn't. This isn't your big brother's BYU Cougars, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of the weaker BYU teams we've seen, quite frankly. And a BYU team that needs to win on Saturday in Stillwater to get bowl eligible. Yeah, But you get that extra day of rest, and you can pick it back up. Sunday's your day off, and then you get back into Monday, and you're in normal game prep if you're Texas. So I just winning and getting that extra day to get guys in the training room, get guys in the cold pool, get guys the, the stem treatment, whatever it is that they need, just get them off their feet. Asking them, that could be so big for this team. Yeah, and 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 I was talking earlier as well, Jeff, and and I'd love your thoughts on this. I mean, obviously, you know, with with your mark and all of that, you have all of that stuff that that's gone on, and you know, Big Twelve running through Lubbock. I mean, who cares? You know, all of that. I really think I, I hope that this team, yes, that that's something that uh, that's bulletin board material. That stuff that you you can't unhear that. That's always there, and it's coming up day after day after day after day. And I think up. last week proved that they do listen to it. They do hear it. Exactly. Um, but, you know, looking at this, I I'm really hoping that these guys are going to be trained and coached this week to, yes, that's there. But your goal, that goal board, the, mm -hmm. the big goal is right there. I mean, yeah. that, that, focus on that. Focus on that. Yeah, let the other uh, maybe inspire the top goal and just go out there and just put this thing out of hand early. I think I think Jade Barron, another another local product, by the way. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the Conley Cougars. I think Jade said it pretty well yesterday. You know, now's not the time to change anything, right? Like we, you know, you've had this mindset, you've had, and I'm paraphrasing here, you've had this goal in mind to get to Arlington, yep. to win a con, to be able to be in a position to win a conference championship. 
And you're right there. You're right on the cusp by doing by going through this process. Now, I think that that's a bigger deal, Rodney, than anything to do on Friday. It's yeah. don't change who you are Sunday through, in this case, Sunday through Thursday. Don't change anything you've done so far because that you've trusted the process and it's worked. So I, I think it's more of I think it's less to do with anything your Mark or, or Joey McGuire has said. I think it's more of maximize this opportunity because I, I thought Sark was I love Sark on Mondays because you get you know you Very get candid uh, conversation you get, yeah. candid you get honest Sark on Mondays yeah. and I know he was talking about the transfer portal but I think that's the message to the team overall is hey enjoy this take advantage of it maximize it because you may not be in this position again yeah. you may not be a one loss team that's thinking about maybe getting into the playoff going into the last game of the regular season no, you, you, you might. We might see Texas be that team in the SEC. I don't know. But you, you've got a chance right now to put a number up on that wall at DKR that's going to be there forever. And not a, lot of, not a lot of Texas teams in the last 13, 14 years have had a chance to do that. So don't don't yeah. let this opportunity go by the wayside. Just tre- treasure it, cherish it, take care of it, take advantage of it. I think yeah. that, to me, is is the bigger message that, that guys are focused on. And let's be frank. I think they're way more pissed off about losing in Lubbock last year than they are anything that was said in the offseason. That that's kind of that, that seems to be the 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 mindset for me as well. Uh, yeah. that, that that makes a lot of sense right there. I think if you if you if you put some true sermon in these guys, Rodney, I think that mm-hmm. would be the one game that they would tell you hey, we shouldn't have lost that game. I know, I know. And, and the other part of it is too. I mean, don't let all this CFP. Uh, I mean, don't let all of that. I mean, because like like hell, you and I talked about it last week, Jeff. So much of that, it, it, it is out of your control. You yeah. just have to let those dominoes fall where they're going to fall. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot that's going to happen here in the next few days. It's That that process is going to play itself out. Can't worry about that. Just go out there and take care of business. Keep it simple. Like, like you said it best. Don't do anything different from what you've done because, damn it, you have put yourself in a position to achieve the goal that you wanted to achieve. Don't be changing things now. Yeah. I, I thought uh, – if you, if you get over to Horse 24-7, Ship, Ship did a great job of laying out, kind of, if you're a Texas fan, like, what should, what should you be rooting for to happen? Aside from, obviously, you want Texas to win. You want to win, yeah. But, but what should you be rooting for? And I won't spoil everything, but, you know, it's like, hey, uh, you, you need Washington to win out and, and take Oregon out of the, out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You need Florida State to lose. Which eliminates, I get would eliminate the ACC because even if Florida State loses the ACC championship game, you're not putting a one loss non conference, not one loss team that didn't win their conference in there. And those odds and, are better now. Those yeah, odds are better now that that could happen. And, and you're not putting in a Louisville team that lost to Pitt. Right. You know, say what you want about a Texas loss to Oklahoma. You lost to a, what, Pitt got seven, eight losses? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, speaking of coaches that nobody like, we always talk about. Oh man, don't really like that guy. And Pat Narduzzi is climbing that list of coaches that are rubbing me the wrong way, just because he <laughs> just always seems to find something. I dude, it's not your fault. You can't adapt to the portal. Like adapt or yeah. die. Um, yeah. And what was the other one? Chip said you need Georgia to beat Alabama, so you just take Alabama out of the equation, and you know you handle your business as long as you know Ohio State beats Michigan, mm-hmm. then. The, the argument comes down to a one-loss Texas that won their conference against a one-loss Michigan whose only loss is to Ohio State. And I think, you know what I think, Rodney? I think that's the scenario you want. Chip and I were talking about this before he he, he finished publishing that. My thought was is that was exactly what he wrote. I think it's led less the committee off the hook wondering, okay, how are they going to treat Michigan? 
Mm-hmm. That's the perfect. That's that's the great that's the committee's. Great that's the committee's point. ideal yeah. situation is. Hey, uh, oh man, yeah, Michigan. Well, I mean, they didn't win their conference, and Texas uh-huh. did, so that superseded. Uh, you know, Michigan's loss to Ohio State. That's the perfect way that is for the committee great. to get let off to get let oh, off the hook. Man, that's. But what 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 if what if Michigan wins? I mean, that, that's where yeah. it's like, uh, I know, I don't want to go down that scenario, that rabbit hole. But, man, I, I love that. Dude, I had not even thought about that. That is perfect. Jim Harbaugh is so seedy. It's made me almost, like, want to root for Ohio State, which goes against just every fiber of my being, having yeah. grown up loving Michigan football. I'd have Michigan as my team, Rodney, because when I was a kid, Texas wasn't good. So I'd have a, a good team to cheer yeah, for. Yeah. Like, I, I've got buddy. I, I've told people this on this on this show. I've got buddies who are like Florida State fans randomly because like for, what Florida State had when you're a kid, what do you care about? Florida State had badass helmets. And a yeah, badass they did. Team. Yeah, they did. Like uh, that gold. Yeah. Spear on a helmet. That's dude, right. It's, it's That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess I got some buddies who are Florida State fans. I love Michigan. I love Michigan for a long time. Mm-hmm. And. You know, I, I did I did dig Harbaugh, but after a while the shtick just gets old and it's like, dude, yeah. you're you're kind of a quirky guy on top of the fact that you just come off as an a-hole, and now maybe yeah. you're a blatant cheater on top of that. Yeah. That's I can't I can't get down with that. Man. I d- I didn't mind him as a Chicago Bears quarterback. Uh f- from that point, it was like, okay. Done. <laughs> And my big one of my biggest complaints against Harbaugh too is he changed up Michigan's uniform scheme. Yeah. Yep. I don't I don't want to watch Michigan and watch them have the white white jersey tops, white pants. I want Michigan needs to be wearing white jersey tops, yellow pants. That's the way it should be. Don't absolutely. And blue on blue when they do that for home games, that that yeah. uniform combination needs to be fired into the sun a little too much as we bring in Trey and BK. It's a lot of blue. Trey, we're talking about how how big of an a hole Jim Harbaugh is. What you you were telling me you saw that I guess it was the Amazon Plus document or the yeah, Amazon Prime documentary. Oh, that yeah. docu series they did on Michigan football where Jim Harbaugh was just an a hole to his kids. Just being a colossal piece of shit to his kids, and his wife is like, "Will you please stop it? These these are like four and six year old kids." Now, has my wife said similar things to me in the last few years? Maybe, <laughs> but I'm not Jim Harbaugh. I'm just me. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, I, I can I can kind of work with the fact if you're a quirky guy, but dude, when you're an a hole, on top of the fact that you're yeah. a blatant cheater, I a cheater, yeah. it's almost making me want to root for Ohio State, which just yeah. goes against everything I believe. In. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's how. Yeah, as Jake says, he's he's just weird. Like you cross that line from quirky to creepy, and Jim Harbaugh's crossed that line. Yeah, many times. Absolutely. Uh, Rodney, I know you got to get you've done yeoman's work today, sir. So we appreciate hey, it. No problem. You guys uh, um, have a good afternoon. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm going to hang out for a second because I got to ask BK something before I hop off here. Rodney, thank you so much. Uh, it's only an hour is done. We're going to train BK. BK, if your parents said anything about the mustache, yeah, they said a, lot come of, off. a lot of things about the mustache. Um, I don't think my dad cares. I think he gave up on me a long time ago. <laughs> Smart move on his part. It's a farm. shame. Uh, yeah, my mom has insinuated that I will not be served food on Thursday if this thing is still on my face. Good for her. Good so, for her. Draw a line. It's a good oddly, strong woman right there. Oddly enough, one of my sisters actually said it looked good this year. Like I, Everybody in my family has bashed it for years, and I think everybody I've known has bashed it. I don't think I've ever received one compliment for this mustache in all of the years that I've done November. 
But one of my sisters is like, no, it actually looks okay this year. Like, you should maybe consider bringing that back some other part of the year. Can I give you a Can I give you a semi a semi compliment? I'll take what I can get. I'm not getting much these days. It looks a little more full than it has in previous years. Yeah. Thank you. I've been. You still uh, look like you. You still look like you shouldn't be allowed within 500 yards of a school, but it does look a little more full. Than it's you. the HGH. It's it's coming through. Yeah. I hit up Fernando Tatis's guy, and uh, also looks like I hit up Wander Franco's guy with this mustache on me. But. Well, again, in the in the vein of Wander Franco, you should not be within 500 yards of a school with that <laughs> thing on. So, uh, gross. I should not have said that. Yeah, well, you, you set it up. I knocked it down, sir. Thank, I appreciate it, that, sir. Uh, Trey, BK, you guys, uh, guys have a good show, and uh, I may, I may be on tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see, see what's going on. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Know, exactly. I know there are a lot of folks planning to do their Wednesday programs, so I might just, might just jump in and do an hour. So. Cool. Right. It's only an hour, as we've learned. All right. Have a good one, fellas. You Thanks, too. Jeff. There you go. Jeff Howe. And here we go on another edition of the award-winning Midday with Trey and BK.